Our gracious God and Master, we are thankful to you for yet another opportunity to be in your house, to worship you, to serve you, and Lord, to truly to worship you and to truly give glory and honor to you for who you are to us. We bow before you as a King of Kings and as a Lord of Lords. May all we share today come from your word, find fertile souls in our hearts and cause us not only to be hearers but doers as well. May your word bring comfort, healing, direction and correction to us. In Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Today, I begin a three-part series on church growth. This will be part one. And for very tactical reasons, I will try to be as brief as possible. I have a lot to share, but I will not because it's a very packed program. The men who have slot to share what they need to share, a memorial service. Uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, I'll do part one and two. Two Sundays after this, the last Sunday in the month, I'll take a break. The deacons will take the platform to educate us on the senior pastor search process. Uh, flyers will come out to get us all ready for all of that. All of that is part of the growth of the church process. Who are we as a church and why are we here? We are here with an aim and a purpose. Every church that has been born was created by Jesus Christ. And he expects us to worship him, to adore him. So we have an aim, we have a vision to spread his good news everywhere. And we capture it in ways that we can recite or we can live up to. A vision is what you aspire to be. A vision is what you want the Lord to lead you to do. And as somebody said, it should be so big that if the Lord does not help you, you will fail. A vibrant congregation of people spreading the word of Jesus Christ to every corner of the world. Now, when you look at the statistics, and I have a few of them, but I will not go through them today. If you look at the statistics of what we are supposed to be by now, 2,000 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are far behind. But he hasn't come yet. The reason the Lord hasn't come yet is because he wants you and I to complete the assignment. I may have to turn this way because the projection is not working at the other side so that we can all be on the same page. Now, when we talk about church growth, what exactly are we talking about? I'll try not to be too technical. I'll try to simplify it. It can be a technical subject, as that was my area of specialization, and I taught it several times. But there are four technical definitions and four popular definitions. The first one is internal growth. When we're talking about internal growth, it means you as a believer, you who are a Christian, you must come to a point where you have an authentic experience with the Lord, a religious experience, an authentic spiritual experience with the Lord, where you know that hatred is bad, where you know forgiveness is good, where you know that loving your neighbor as yourself is what the Lord commands, when you know that prayer is good, when you know that fasting is good, 
That internal growth is when you deepen your relationship with the Lord. It is one thing for the Lord to say, I've given you chance. And for you to just sit as if you are sitting at the bus stop waiting for the bus to come and take you to heaven. That's good. He may take you to heaven. But beyond heaven or before heaven, he has an assignment for you. Preaching, teaching, witnessing, making disciples of all people. That spiritual growth is important. And that is the beginning point of growth. Then we talk about expansion growth, which is numerical growth, where the church grows in numbers. From one congregation to non-numerous congregations, we are expanding. If the Lord said, you'll be my disciples, beginning from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world, he's talking about congregations. When he says, witness to all nations, he's talking about tribes, tongues, people who should come to him. Other than the church is expanding. But there's also extension growth. When the church plants daughter churches in communities that are familiar, so we are in Ghana, we plant Ghana churches, every churches, English churches, in communities that we are very familiar with. It's our comfort zone. We do that. But bridging growth is when you cross some barriers, very difficult barriers sometimes, language barriers. When you cross the seas, you cross islands, you sacrifice. Like those missionaries who came here to learn the language and propagate the gospel. The work of Ghana Institute of Linguistic and Bible Translators. Translating the Bible, they can take the Bible to people in their languages. When you know missionaries work that are extending beyond the rich. Those type of things are bridging group. You are crossing a bridge from one side to the other. So these are descriptive of the type of churches or the type of what we mean by growth. So growth is not just a one-phase definition. It's four, technically. But let me give you the popular one. The popular one popularized by the Saddleback Church founder, Rick Warren, says everybody or every church must grow in these four areas. One, you grow warmer through fellowship. You fellowship with one another. You saw what the disciples were doing. Like fellows in a ship, you have kinky, you share, you have food, you share, you mourn with one another, you rejoice with one another. The fellowship is warm. But we also grow deeper through discipleship. You are shallow. You haven't learned yet. You have just become a new disciple. How do you learn to love somebody? You are disciple to know that when somebody insults you, you can insult back. But forgiveness is what it takes to be the child of God. You, you learn to know that even though you are a young man, a young lady, you have desires of the flesh and you react to all these hormones, their hormones are crying and you feel like it, there's a fruit of the spirit called self-control. Discipleship is when you are being discipled. Jesus had many, many, many followers. But he called 12 to be with him. He discipled them. He taught them. So the boys who wanted to call fire to burn people, later on one of them wrote the gospel of love. John the apostle. Say, love, love, love. If you say you love God and you do not love your brother, what are you? You are a hypocrite. You cannot say that. That's somebody who has been taught, who has been discipled. So if you are still shallow, then think about the fact that you are not growing deeper in the Lord. The Lord teaches you things. He leads you and guides you. 
in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's what it takes. So you grow deeper in discipleship. You also grow stronger through worship. Worship not just coming to church, which is good, but worship in the sense that you pray, you know how to learn and fast, you know how to wait on the Lord. Those disciplines, you have songs that you sing, you have memory verses, you are witnessing to others, you are encouraging them to go to the house of God, and God becomes the focal point. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you're worshiping the Lord, and what do you do? You are growing stronger in him. To the point where you say, I know that I know that I know. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Said by somebody who had nothing. Everything had been taken away from Job. And you can say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And there are people today, when they are hit by the storms of life, they can still say, God, my God is in control. I can do all things through my God who strengthens me. Because they know that God has never left them. He said, his grace is sufficient for me because of their relationship with the Lord. And the last but not the least, we grow larger through evangelism and missions. By reaching out to others, by bringing them in, whether it is by extension growth or bridging growth, we are also growing larger. So whether you like the technical one or the popular one, whichever one it is, it must result in a form of growth. So you cannot be static. You cannot. I have some figures about the growth of the church in Ghana, but I will not go through it. But I'll look at some way churches are categorized. And when you look at the categories, you can see something. Show me the categories. Those who study churches say there are churches one member to 35 members, and they call that a preaching point. They gather them, it's a preaching point, it's a beginning point. And in some communities, that's all they can be. Here, today, our focus really is on increase in numbers. And the other ones follow, hopefully, the numbers. 40 to 80, that's a fellowship. When we gather our deacons, and have a cluster of people around them, that's a fellowship. We haven't formed them into a church yet, but it could be. Then, under 200 or less, is termed a small church. Between these three categories, the preaching point, the fellowship, and the small church, that is where the bulk of the churches in the world are. Small, small churches, struggling. Very little resource. They can't even have their leaders. They can't afford a decent place of worship. That's where most are. That's where most of the congregations in the Ghana Baptist Convention are. Yesterday they had a seminar. And I, I looked at the seminar that the convention was advertising. And I, I looked at it without trying to be critical of the advertisement. Say so all those who have churches below 50 come and let us build your capacity how to manage them. And unfortunately, I had to be at a, I was celebrating a miracle with my brother, Pastor Ebo Petu, who has a pension baby at the age of 70. Uh, I thought I should go, you say, hey. So I had to be at Ablekuma celebrating with Ebo 
Uh, because that is, uh, oh, some of you are laughing. Eh? <laughs> Lawyer Ibu Petu. Yeah, he has his biological child at the age of 70. I was carrying that child. How, how, how heavy is that child? About seven or eight kilos, eh? About eight kilos. I said, hey, what is happening? So I was there. But they were trying to coach people or lead people how to grow bigger churches. So 200 and less. They have 250 to 750, which is called the middle-sized church. That is probably where we are. You see, and when people get to where they are, middle-sized, like this, or like Adabraka, they are happy. Unless you begin to tell them something. I remember those early days when I was young, and I would tell people more adventurous. I used to say something to Calvarians that annoyed them. That if you think your church is big, anybody who comes to this church, and I'll repeat it, Anybody who comes to this church and you see the church is big, you are an agent for Satan. Why? If the church is big, too big, means that we must not expand. Or there's no room for more people to come. Then, you are not getting it. The church is a hospital where sick people come and they are healed. It is some of these messages that will cause you to go to Adabraka, a place that sits on a two-plot land that has six services beginning at 7 a.m. I am also saying that to tell us in Shiashi, we are building and we absolutely have no excuse to have this fantastic investment and sit down here and be content with one comfortable service. If it has been duplicated, it has been done right in front of us in our mother church, which I will drive there Today, it's a challenge. After this sermon, I expect an action group that will help us move beyond our comfort zone. And so I have other intentions for preaching this, that we cannot have this huge investment and be middle-sized church or you are comfortable. Yes, there are places where people attend big church and all they want to do is to hide. But whether they hide or not, that depends on how we assimilate them. So that's comfort zone. So from 800 to 2,000 members. It's called a large church. 2,000 to 20,000 mega church. 20,000 and above is meta church. I've been to Korea. I've seen the meta churches of the world. And I'm telling you, it is not even about being a meta church, a mega church. How they organize those churches, they are so assimilated that they have influence, they have authority, they have teaching facilities, they have things that they do to disciple whole nations and they impact nations. That is what Christ is all about. That in every community, there is a witness where you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And the thing I like about Korea, if you ever fly there, I mean, they have their own challenges. But as you are flying down Seoul, Korea, or any part of Korea, you see all those neon red lights. Red lights. And there are crosses where their churches are. I couldn't believe going to Yonggi Cho's church. It's about 700, they say about 700,000 people. I said, how do they come to church? One church service is ending. There are people waiting at the car park and people are holding their hands so that when the service closes, other people will come. There are all, all kinds of incredible things. Uh, as a digression, I went out of curiosity to see how they administer the Lord's Supper. And I saw a church administer a Lord's Supper by using 
an assembly line conveyor belt type of thing. I said, hey, this is serious. How did they take offering? I saw offering boxes that were almost like post office boxes where you put the things in the post box and then the conveyor belt comes to take the money. And so when they are talking about mission, one million, two million, three million, and I said, why not? I was in the techie and I was looking at them. They took me there to go and see how the Muslims are building this mosque. I was too shy to ask them for money. I couldn't have asked them for money anyway. Maybe if I had asked them, they would have given it to me. And they told me, look, we came here, we invested in the mosque, and the people chopped the money. But we will build it. We have people who are kingdom-minded, and they will build the largest mosque in Ghana. We'll call it the Blue Mosque. And Reverend, when we are opening it, we'll invite you. I said, hmm. My father had taught me to say it is the fool who refuses tomorrow's food. So I said, yo, I'll be glad to come. So how much are you spending? He said, the cap is $10 million. I said, what? How could he junction there? You spent $10 million. You go and see. It's a tourist attraction. So let me move on to the next. I promised myself I'll be brief. Now, so you have all these categories. And what is it for? I'm saying it is not bluffing. Because the larger the church the more resources are available for its missions. For the church, for the school, for the printing, education of your children, for nursery. So it is not a, 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 a thing to boast about. It is functional. The more we come together, the more we pull our resources together, driven by a vision to do big things for the kingdom of God and impact our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I would say there are four fundamental truths of kingdom-focused churches. We've seen them already. If the church is to be kingdom-focused, there are churches that are large and they are not necessarily kingdom-focused. And I'll recommend to you, and I'll commend to you, any church you want to be part of, be sure that they are focused on the kingdom of God. Because there are things that people will do in and outside the book that will bring people to church. First, be sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one they are worshipping in totality. From the pastor to the elders, the deacons, they are not reading from any other book, but reading the Bible and they understand that he came, he died, he left a word for us to preach and is coming again. Number two, that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who pour his flesh, who pour his spirit on all flesh, that without him we cannot do it. We are all under construction by the Holy Spirit. He leads us, he guides us, he directs us. That's how Christ meant it to be. When the weak disciples were afraid, how are we going to perform this time? He said, I will send you. And when he comes, you will be my disciples. And they have carried it even to you and I today. The third function of a kingdom-focused church is corporate prayer. Corporate prayer, speaking to God as individuals, but also crying to our needs. Corporate prayer is when we meet to pray. It's climax in this church by pastoral prayer that summarizes it. But throughout the coming month, 31 days of prayer as individuals, but we also gather to talk about things and pray about things that concern us as individuals, 
as a church and as a nation. That is where the power of the church comes from. You may not have the opportunity to go to the president to tell him anything or go to Putin to tell him anything. But I can send your prayers anywhere. And when the church prays, things happen. The last but not the least, it is the leadership of the church. Those who lead this church. Now, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 has been interpreted in so many ways. And I'll give, another inter I'll give an interpretation to it next week. When he ascended, he gives gifts to the church. Some apostles, some prophets, some what? Evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five. For some, it is a post. So the first in rank is apostle. They are the big one. They should eat the head of the cow. Sorry, that's my brother, the apostle who is here. That's how some people take it. So they do not say, they do not see it as a function of going to preach, teach, because God has sent you to hard places. I've been joking with my brother, apostleship means from uh, Gambia to London, uh, from London to uh, Brekum. Or is it Brekum or Bechem? Whatever it is, wherever you send me, Lord, I will go. That is what it is, not the post. Oh, then it's, oh, yeah, from apostle, then you become what? A prophet. A prophet means telling you what is going to happen, speaking for God, speaking to you, how you are supposed to live today or tomorrow, whether you read your Bible well or not. God says, I'll bless you, I'll anoint you. There are genuine ones, but there are also some quack ones, and people go to church just to hear what the prophet has to tell them, whether they are living in sin or not. Then, they are who? Evangelists. Good news, they move from place to place, with uh, standing by the roadside, preaching, teaching, with a basket beside them, just drop some coin in it, because I've told you that when you sin, you'll go to hell. But they don't share the good news properly, that Jesus loves you, repent from your sin. That is an evangelist. And then, pastors and teachers who take care of the flock, so that the flock can take care of us in life and in death. That is an aberration of what Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 is all about. These five people, or five gifts, are to work together in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Because the ministry of the world has various parts. And just like the five fingers are needed, if you are five, there are some who are accidentally not. If you are five, I can hope this very well. But if I leave one, I'm in trouble. Just like the five fingers work together, if we work together, we'll build capacity for our churches, spiritual capacity, physical capacity, where people can say this and others will rebuke them and say, this is that. No, that's how it's supposed to work. So Agapus can tell the apostle, yeah, okay, uh, uh, this one says, don't do this. I've seen somebody who's been tied and he says, it means don't go to Jerusalem to go and die. And Paul said, yeah, you have done your work as, an, as a prophet. You added something to it. As an apostle, I've been told and I know that everywhere I go, death awaits me. So you cannot guard me with death. To Jerusalem, I've been sent. To Jerusalem, I will go. That's how it works. Paul can stand there and rebuke Peter. Peter, you are a teacher. But look, Peter, you are compromising. You don't understand the gospel. Salvation is by grace. Not through Judaism. Not through circumcision. You are wrong. And you rebuke him. And Peter will say, Paul writes so many things 
Some of which I don't understand, but let's take it like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, that is a check and balance in the body. But we don't. And to our shame, sometimes it comes on the air. Recently, I heard one young man, he phoned into a radio station. Joy FM for that. Fairly in the morning. I have just left my church. They asked him why. He said, I've left my church because they are too authoritative. The pastor has all kinds of answers. And I asked him about accountability. Accountability for what? Keep right there. Is that why you came to church? He said, I have left. And I was cringing. And I was cringing why they would do that. Well, the church leadership is important. That's another discussion. But those principles must be guarded jealously by people who know what the rules are. And it calls for vigilance of church members, prayer by church members, appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit and ensuring that whether there is an office. You see, the challenge is that some of us who are Baptists only know one office, pastors and teachers. But it doesn't mean that those functions in terms of spiritual giftedness do not exist. They do. How to get to that point will be another conversation. But they are still, if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our midst, it's still there. The kingdom values, if you don't remember anything, remember the next one, five, four things that I'll mention. The kingdom-focused church has one main focus. One main focus. Can you repeat it with me? One main focus. And that focus is go and make disciples of all nations. It's called the Great Commission. That's his last word. He backs it with his power. He backs it with a promise that I am with you always, even up to the end of the age. Don't miss this. I am with you. It's a promise. The power is there. The marching orders have been given. And when we fail, we are failing to obey what he has asked us to do. Now, it takes many forms. But the focus is the same. How to bring people to Christ. And I'll get to the, that really. Now, and so that leads to whatever the church does. Whether it's evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, or worship. We see that pattern in the New Testament. The church, in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 to 47 that we read. If you go down, we see them evangelizing, bringing people in. You see people being taught from house to house. You see them fellowshipping where people had need, their needs were met. You see ministry, there was preaching, teaching, healing, and you see worship, prayer. Those are the functions of a church. And friends, there are times when churches lose their balance. The kingdom Focus church. I like farming. I like gardening. So let me use the language of the picture that I know. I walk to a small greenhouse that I operate and the leaves had become yellow. So there's this guy who was helping me. I said, there's something wrong here. He said, what's wrong? The fruits are coming. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are so yellowish. We need N. He said, what? I said, nitrogen. Something is wrong that needs to go to this soil. So really, how can you tell us? You are becoming yellow. Well, I like it, so I steady. Last week, I had five rabbits. They gave birth, and three of them killed their babies. So I said, 
this problem here. So what's the problem? I said, these ones, this is possibly their first child, the first time of giving birth. These are the example of teenage pregnancy. People who give birth, they're sitting down there looking at their children and they don't know what to do with it. And what did the mother end up doing? She peeped on the children and they were choked to death. Say, oh, sir, how do you study all of these things? How do you know them? I said, yeah, if you study a lot of things, you understand human beings. Excuse me to say, my wife doesn't always like me to compare church members to plants, trees, and animals. So I learned those lessons for myself. So all of them died. Then I said, sir, are we going to kill them and eat them? I said, you, that is what you like. They'll go around second and third round, and they will learn. I said, are you sure? I said, we'll cross them again, and they'll go. Put the NPK here, and you see the difference. What am I saying? A church may be over-focused on evangelism. You bring people here, 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 here. But who's discipling them? Nobody. So you're full of children. Spiritual children going to heaven. But as soon as there's trouble in the church, you sin, they will lie, they will cheat, they even come to church to come and steal. Discipleship. Old. So inward looking. As for us, we are Jesus' citizens. They have a prayer book, notebook. They write everything. Very good. How did they practice it? The last time they talked to anybody or they prayed any serious prayer was, Lord, sanctify this food in Jesus' name. Amen. Some, they come to church, but they are what we call leave for Christians. Last in, first out. So why? Say, Pastor, the church is full of gossips, people who lie. So me, I only come to worship God. After this fellowship, is foolish. I don't like it. I don't join them. And so you are not growing. Now tell them, how would you know that you have a fruit of the spirit until somebody is gossiping and saying, this is not why I'm here. I'm here to hear the gospel. Your rebuke will cause somebody to grow. Or you're being the fellowship. You see, today, for instance, I came and I greeted some people. As I was going, my chief deacon talked to me. He said, oh, pastor, you see your mask is dirty. I said, oh, really? Okay, what happened? He said, I'll change it for you. I said, I just took a new one. Now, strangely enough, something about the eye. The eye sometimes does not see itself. So I took the thing from the car. It was dirty. I didn't see it. I put it on. So if I become a tiger and my chief deacon will not see me, everybody will see me that he's wearing a mask that is dirty. Nobody will say anything. I have no friend. Nobody will approach me. I will insult them. Fellowship cures us, makes us better, and transforms us to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ministry. The Lord has given you a gift to pray, to teach, to fast, to do something. The gifts are not given for your own benefit. Somebody say, ah, I have a headache. You pray for the person. Sir, I don't know how I'm going to go home today. I gave all my offering. Even after insulting you, that who asked you to do that? The need, the need is still there. At least I can give you five CDs to go home. He's testing you. And who gets the crown for the five CDs? You, not him. If he's cheating you, I'm not, I am not condoning and conniving foolishness or laziness. But I'm saying that some of these things are tests. You can even ask the person, really, are you sure you came here and you spent your money here? The guy came and was standing in front of me, pastor, this and this and that and that. And I said, okay, you were in church. Yes, I don't have money to go home. Who preached? Say, Pastor John. Which John? Say, John who? Some tall guy. He said, really? Say, I called somebody. Uh, who preached here today? Say, Pastor Fred. Where is he? 
So he's standing somewhere. I bring the guy. He's standing somewhere here. Ask the guy, do you know who preached? He said, yeah, I said, Pastor John, I don't know where he passed. He said, you liar. You can come to the house of God and lie. Repent in Jesus' name. So, ministry, there will be good and bad ones. But that is also part of ministry. Rebuke kingdom. That's for worship. Some come. When they come for worship, the worship means only the song part. Oh, to Jesus. I surrender. They wait. When that time comes, then they do it. For them, worship does not include the preaching. They check out. Before you do too much. They don't. They don't understand it. They don't do anything. I can go on and on, like I said. Uh, now, one, five, four. Four. Four key strategies for the Kingdom Focus Church. This is where I'll take my time and possibly end. You see, There are things we do in church or there are things we do in life. But after a period of time, what we do almost becomes ritual and over a period of time becomes a meaningless ritual. We don't understand it. The best example I have is a group of military people who go to a certain slab in Europe, change guards and go and salute at the slab. So somebody, a new commander asked them, why do we go and salute at the slab? And the commander who took his people there said, I don't really know. So they went to an old veteran. What is underneath this slab that we saluted? He said, are you still saluting the slab? He said, yes. He said, why? He said, some years back. We wanted a place where we could meet for an assembly. And that was a public thoroughfare. So we decided to pour concrete on it. We did it a few times and people walked on the wet concrete. So we thought, when we pour the next concrete, since people respect soldiers, they will go there and march around it and salute. And nobody would disturb the slab. And we did. So, Soldiers come, soldiers go for one week, and the slab was killed. The commander was transferred. A new commander came. He just surveyed what was being done, and tradition continues. Pusubo, he continued. So the man said, ah, is the slab not killed? Dry three years. So why do you do it? He said, I don't know. He said, well, if you choose to stop it, say, if you choose to stop it, there might be a mutiny unless we explain to people why we do it. So say, go and tell them that I say this is what we do. In church growth concept, there are things we call sacred cows. There are things that are untouchable. There are things that are holy in themselves without any understanding. For instance, in our Catholic Baptist dialogue, there are certain things we don't do as Baptists because Catholics do them, and vice versa. So Ash Wednesday, we, do, we don't even know what it is, because Catholics do them. And there are things that we do, baptizing infants, they don't do them, because that is how the rebels do them, like Martin Luther and his people. So when we're dialoguing, you come to a point where you say, ah, but what, what is in this? 
And after four or five years of those dialogues, we could all laugh at each other. That there are more things that unite us than divide us. And let us see where in essentials we can be united. Five, four key strategies. I'm sharing this because in some of these things, because of our understanding, we don't get the purpose. Corporate worship. What is corporate worship? That is where we are now. Corporate worship is an open gathering of believers and unbelievers. Becomes the entry point ushering believers into the church. Corporate worship like this, everybody is welcome. Believers and unbelievers. The drunk, the dirty, the one wearing the jeans, the rasta, everybody is welcome. Why? It is open. To who? To the Lord. For what? For worship. Can the Lord convert somebody in the church? Yes. If the person sitting near you is reeking full of appetite, you know his problem. If you say, let, let, let's stand up and worship, he can't stand up, he doesn't know anything. Oh, that's a candidate for you to teach. I will make it the company of the committed, of the believers only. And the church sometimes becomes its own destroyer because of our holier-than-thou-than-thou attitude. But there are places that operate open house. We say, oh, for this house, there are so many unbelievers. The church is a Jesus hospital. My famous example, when you go to the hospital, you go because you are sick. But when you go to the hospital, you know that some are more sick than you are. So you go there. Your tooth is worrying you. You apologize to my dentist. As you stand there waiting for Dr. Ye and Dr. Mrs. Ye, somebody comes, an accident, and she's lost the leg. For a few moments, you will forget about your caca. Say, Let, let's take care of this woman. Let's take care of this one first. So if your toothache <laughs> really hurts, that's how we are. Sinners saved by grace. Jesus said, those who are well, they don't go to the hospital. It is the sick people. Can we welcome people of every tongue, language, dress into our midst? You see the five C I was talking about. Those who understand that run multiple services according to the needs of people. Cafe, church. Some people come, you feed them, and then they have church. Contemporary church. Classic church. I can't go over that. All of those five. Multiple services to take care of multiple needs. It's like setting a place where almost everybody's need can be met. We have children who come here, and sometimes some people see them, they are nuisance. They don't know what they are doing over here, but they're welcome. So, the corporate worship is a strategy. What is a strategy? A strategy is a means, a method for achieving an end. So, they are going to play football. Oh, one, nine, one. What formation is that? When do you play 191? When do you play 424? When do you play those formations? When you have scored all the goals you want to score and you are defending your goal, what do you play? You play according to a certain thing. So those sacred cows, those formations are not an end in themselves. Corporate worship must be seen as a strategy for the kingdom-focused church. You get me? Well... Whether you get me or you don't get me, I'm telling you, that's what it is meant to be. Number two, 
There are things that we call open group. An open group is a group meeting of believers and also unbelievers or non-believers or yet to believe can join. Sunday school class is a primary one and home cells are primary ones. You can join. So they said, let us read from the book of Revelation. In Sunday school class, and you see this person is at the beginning of the book. What book is there? Of the Bible. What book is there? Genesis. Okay, so you've seen it. Okay. Now let's go to the book of Revelation. You say, please, where's the book of review? You say, oh, okay. You don't laugh. Even if you laugh, you take note. You take note of it in the open group. You ask a question. So if you are sharing meat and somebody takes your meat and eats it, what will you do? I'll slap him! I'll slap! What? Oh, what do you learn about that person? And he's serious like Qatar. What will you do? It tells you something about the person's condition of heart. And if you are a CIA agent, by CIA I mean Christian in action, you know that this person needs attention. Hello? I had a doctor once. Oh, I'm watching my time. I had a doctor once. We all do apologies to Americans and Trump supporters. The, the president of the American Psychiatric Unit, I was looking at her and she was saying that this candidate, Trump, is a very dangerous man. So somebody asked her whether Trump is her patient. She said, no, he cannot be. Say so why? So he hasn't come to me because he doesn't claim he's sick. So why do you say that the man is sick? It's a simple question from my professional background. If the things this man is saying, people put it into practice. Would this country be a healthy country? He asked the presenter. The presenter said, it's difficult to say. I said, yeah, you are being a political. You don't want to say. He said, you wait. And see what happened. Of course, she was removed from the office. And the thing that followed, the lying, the cheating, all the things that they documented. He had good parts, but he had a lot of bad parts. He said, look, you can tell. What I'm telling is that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In the open forum, open classes, open days, that becomes the tool that Jesus will use. So somebody say, blessed is the one, the man, the woman who gave birth to you. And Jesus said, it's not the one who gave birth to me. That's my mother. But blessed are those who hear and obey. Hallelujah. The third one. That's what we call closed group. Yes, that is when every church must have a closed group. What's a closed group? The group that you put together when you are training, you are coaching, you are leading your people, you are pouring your life into them. You call a spade, a spade, a spoon, a spoon, so that they are transformed. Those are your warriors. Those are your frontline person. Those people are your cabinet. Those are the Peters, the Johns. You take them to the Mount of Transfiguration. They see big things. They are with you. Engaging them in discipleship and moves. The last one, ministry teams. As the Lord moves in his church and he's gifting people, the church must be eager to form ministry teams. That's a group of people. Let me read the definition. Ministry team, building up the body of Christ to accomplish work inside and outside the church. There are groups inside and outside the church. There are counselors, there are disciples, there are choristers, 
But one of the more interesting groups I have repeatedly mentioned somewhere is the gospel missionaries. They sing. It may not necessarily be the best of music group they have around. I will tell them, and they know it. But you go for church planting, and they are there. They go and spend three months, five months, praying, teaching, so that the church is formed. There can be groups from the church that specialize in giving people help, feeding the poor, feeding the needy. They are arms of the church, but they are not isolated. They branch out to do what God has called them to do. One, five, four. One commission, five, this, and particularly the four. Now, this will produce three results, and that will where I can end today. The three results are this. If the church is growing by following the 154 principle, they'll be making disciples, winning the spiritually lost, and beginning assimilation. Two, there'll be maturing believers who'll be growing. Three, they'll be multiplying ministries. But there's a price to pay for it. And that price is commitment. That price is attitude in not change. That price is the cost of new ideas. And for some of those, come next week when I can continue. The Lord help us to know it is his desire for us to grow. But it comes with a price. At least, if you don't take anything away, are you growing spiritually? Who was the person we talked to this year that Jesus loves you because he loves me and I am his disciple. God bless us all. Amen.